Hello and welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast. My name is Louis and we have another really exciting, entertaining, interesting episode coming your way with an exclusive interview with the head coach of the Netherlands, Jamie Morrison, one of the most exciting, to say the least, coaches in world volleyball right now, but not just the present of coaching, but also the future as well. But first, we're going to have a look at some of the news from what's been going on over the last week or so in world volleyball. The FIVB four-star event, beach volleyball event, took place in Charmen just last week. And there were two returns to the top of the podium from the same pairs that won the four-star event in The Hague at the beginning of January. Brazil's Ana Patricia and Rebecca overcame the top seeds from the Czech Republic in Marketa Slokova and Barbara Hermanova 25-23, 26-24 in the final of the women's event and Russia's Vyacheslav Krasilnikov and Oleg Stoyanovsky won the men's final easing past Spain's Pablo Herrera and Adrian Gavira 21-19, 21-13. It was a tricky week in Charmen, lots of wind, lots of testing conditions but the Spanish pairing of Herrera Guevara just seemed to be evergreen and they've played some of their best volleyball today under new coach Franco Marco. Pablo Herrera siding out really well. But the physical athletes, Krasilnikov, Stoyanovsky, are paving the way in this season's competition and they look to be the team to look out for on the way to Hamburg, the World Championships, coming our way at the end of June. The women's team, Brazil, Anna Patricia and Rebecca They just seem to dominate games and they don't know when they're beaten either. Rebecca seems to have the ability to dictate other teams where Anna Patricia, her height, her physicality and the power that she possesses is a threat to any team on their day. The Beach Volley Vikings, well, they had to settle for a fifth, losing out to Pablo Herrera and Adrian Guevara, a result that the Spaniards were very happy about on social media as that's the first time the Herrera Gavira have overcome the beach volley Vikings. In other news, Amoco have won the Italian league in women's volleyball. The Kifbank have won the league in Turkey, beating Exeka Bassi. And that means that Lonica Sloches, by the looks of it, has moved on, as has Zhu Ting, will be, but has confirmed that she will be moving back to China to prepare for the Olympics in 2020. And also Kelsey Robinson will be leaving the Kifbank as well. Men's Volleyball, Zaxa have won the Polish League, but also watch out this weekend for the finals of the Italian League as well. All to play for, all looking forward towards the CEV Champions League finals in just 10 days. Make sure you keep an eye out for that, where Moko take on Navara again in the women's, where it's Lube versus Zenit in the men's. It's going to be on fire. If you haven't got tickets, make sure you are watching online because you just don't want to miss it anyway our guest for today what a treat we have on our hands jamie morrison is the current head coach of the netherlands a fourth of the world champs is the best that the netherlands women's program has ever achieved that was back in october in japan previously jamie has worked underneath hugh mccutcheon as part of the 2008 Olympic gold medal winning team. Uh, That's for the men's American team. And when McCutcheon switched to the women's national team, he took Jamie Morrison with him. Together they won the FIVB Grand Prix three consecutive times. And at London 2012, the Olympic team won the silver medal. Now Jamie Morrison is chasing medals as a head coach and he's very much a pioneer for modern day coaching. This is one of the best interviews I've ever had the pleasure of conducting we hope you enjoy it welcome to freeball the volleyball podcast how are you doing i'm doing great just uh getting the day started getting ready for practice yeah me me too nice nice and early start but it's going to be completely worth it so thank you so much yeah. again for coming on it's um love doing things for this podcast that, that interest myself and you you definitely have uh yeah you in- interested me for a long time following your your journey from the outside from a media perspective so yeah thanks appreciate that thank you very much so how's it going? You're um, you're back in the Netherlands. Yeah, I've been back for about six weeks and uh, training a younger group of athletes for about the last three weeks, and then uh, we're slowly starting to get our athletes back in the gym. I thought it was really important to give them a little bit of a 
get some rest. So uh, I think we have uh, four people from the world championship team that uh, that uh, competed for us last year. They're back in the gym competing in volleyball right now. We have about four or five that are in weight room right now, just uh, trying to get a, a base under them before they get back into the gym. That's that's amazing. I was going to ask you a little bit about that, actually. Obviously, um, the season's pretty busy. Um, yep. So it must be difficult to manage the, the, the guys who are, who are playing in the in the latter stages of their club season to the ones who have already finished yeah it's uh not an easy task and uh busy is an understatement um it seems like the ffd keeps pushing the calendar out wider and wider and wider uh cv keeps pushing the calendar out wider and wider and wider to the point where they're pretty much overlapping right now um and i was in italy a week and a half ago and i was sitting down with robin and uh chatting about her season and uh they're obviously going to the finals of champions league and she asked me jamie are you gonna come watch the match and i said robin we're flying to serbia for our first match that day so uh it's getting to the point where it's a little bit ridiculous just uh we have these players that are getting i don't know like i said pushed on both ends so i'm trying my best to give them a break uh, my goal was to give everyone a, a tended vacation and uh, i know that doesn't sound like much probably to the general public but to them, 10 days is longer than uh, they probably have gotten in a long time. So um, trying to make sure everyone gets a breather, gets away from volleyball, and then uh, and then can get back. It's funny, isn't it, how uh, more volleyball is better, more, 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 more at the moment. And, yeah, where, where science, is, science is telling you one thing, maybe um, the calendar is telling you something else. Which, yeah, and I think every sport has issues. I think ours is just – it's one of the only sports in the world where I think athletes don't have an off-season. Um, if they were to go straight from one to the other, it'd be, it'd be two days off and then back competing again. And uh, you look at any major sport in uh, the United States, you look at football around the world, they usually get at least three or four weeks off. Uh, and just, uh, I think our sport needs to change a little bit in that and making sure that uh, the people that are in charge care about the longevity of the athletes um, as much as they care about putting them on the court. Yeah, that's... Yeah, really, really interesting. And especially this year, I guess you go B&L, then you yep. have a few weeks off for Olympic qualifiers, and then yep. it goes to European champs, and then it goes to yep. World, World Cup in Japan. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and there's not, like, going back to the CEV and FIVB, needing to coordinate a little bit more. Uh, we have six days off in between our European championships, assuming we go to the finals or are playing the last day, and uh, the World Cup. And uh, that World Cup's in Japan, so we're expected to get from Turkey to Japan with some rest, get used to the time zone, and uh, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I just got back. I went to China for three days last week. It took me a week to recover. Exactly. <laughs> if you ask, ask my girlfriend, yeah. I, I've, I've been grumpy for the week, 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 like, yeah, coming off the back of China. That's, it's really interesting. Yeah. What, what yeah. have you learned from, um, obviously, like, VNL is a long competition. It's, it's a great competition for... For many reasons, but what what have you learned in from, from last year? Um, I, and I think this came, uh, and also the reason why we're doing this stuff this year, but this came um, to an advantage for us when we got to uh, World Championships. It's just that in a five week competition, you need to have a team that has a bunch of interchangeable parts. What I mean by that is just you can plug a new athlete in and have it work just as well as uh, it did with the, I don't know, starting six or seven that you normally have out there. So yeah. um, I think if you look at the last one, we, we tried to mix lineups a little bit, especially when we could, um, and tried to get some different people involved just so, one, everyone feels involved. It's a long competition to sit on a bench. And two, uh, more importantly, just to make sure that everyone's safe physically and mentally by the end of that. They're fresh yeah. by the time you get to the finals and you have some gas left in the tank in order to... Uh, go make that last push in China. Yeah, that's that's key. And I guess it's uh, when you've got players who've who've suffered with certain injury problems throughout as well. It's especially Robin, I guess, you have to try and manage them throughout this period as well. Yeah, and uh yeah, that's that's important. Uh we're at, I inherited a team that I think was in the the prime uh, and the reason why I came here is uh, I thought this team was capable of doing great things just based on the personnel that was here. And we've had a younger generation that have come up, but uh, the athletes that are in their prime are getting near the end of their career. Uh, they probably have a tiny bit left in the tank for next quad if they want to do that. But uh, uh, making sure that their bodies hold up for the long term uh, and that both, one, they're available for the national team, and two, my biggest goal is just to have these athletes decide when they want to retire or not have their bodies decide when they want to retire so uh 
trying trying to make sure all of those things happen at once while at the same time trying to win as many matches as we can obviously that's part of the reason why we're here so uh trying to balance all those things yeah it's really interesting you you said when you got the job um i was reading an article actually uh, i think when at the world champs you said you felt like the luckiest man alive to have the job is that still the case yeah absolutely no i uh (laughs) more challenges i haven't yeah and i mean i came from a job where i felt lucky too and just uh I've gotten to coach two amazing groups of women and uh, uh, I couldn't be happier. And uh, I came here and I didn't think anything could match the group of people that I got to coach at USA. And this group is as good. So uh, I love getting to go to work. I love getting to be around these girls. Like when I don't get to see them for two months and they pop back in the gym, like I saw some of them yesterday, everyone has big smiles on their faces and uh, they work hard. They work smart. Uh, They want to be great. They uh, they want to compete. They want to be warriors, and um, yeah, I, I still feel like the luckiest person alive to be where I'm at right now. Yeah, quite quite a lot of that attitude in the gym is obviously down to you and the culture that you set as well. Um, yeah, they're obviously very happy to play for you. We've had uh, Lonica on the podcast as well, but I spoke to her a few times, and yeah, she just says that the the vibe and the culture you have in the team is 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 incredible. So yeah. That's, that, I mean, some of, some of the luck that I talk about is just the fact that, like, again, like, I had to do a little bit in terms of, uh, I don't know, the way we learn and do stuff, but in terms of the people that they are, I inherited a group that I had to do very little work for, or a group that cared about each other and that wants to be great. Yeah. Like, I, when I say I got lucky, that's part of it. It's just a lot of that culture was in place just based on the people that they are. Uh, and I think while Gio was here, uh, there was, a, I don't know, a culture of hard work that was... Uh, we have to work hard in order to get what we want. And that was here. So again, like I got lucky from a little bit of, uh, there wasn't a lot that I had to do along those two lines. And the bigger thing was make sure the younger generation comes in and learns from the older generation. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. You've captured. Uh, and make sure things are inter- Oh, sorry. You just cut out slightly there. You go sorry. No, sorry. You just cut out. So I thought, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd lost you for a second. Yeah, that's that's interesting. How how do you go about? Um, obviously, the Netherlands at the moment, um, the league. You obviously have a league, but it's it's not one of the best leagues in Europe. What's your sort of um, yeah your system to develop the next the next generation? Yeah, I think one is fine. Um, I in some players that are playing in the German league, the roster of thirty that's in the German, actually thirty one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went out and basically did all the statistics from all the leagues. And, uh, just all the metrics is kind of uh, let me not spy on our players, but uh, be able to kind of keep what's going on around the world. And I'm able to get statistics from everywhere. So I basically just compiled all the statistics and uh, kind of picked out the top 10 in each position. Then I made sure I watched video of the top 10 in each position and made some selections. And there's some kids from the Dutch league, from the Eredivisie that are in there. And uh, I think the level's picking up. Um, obviously, it's not uh, what Italy is or it's not uh, even necessarily what Germany is right now, but I see it. Uh, rising a little bit and that makes me happy but uh, there's a couple players that are in there from there and then it's just trying to bring as much talent as I can in but not kill myself at the same time obviously the 17 players that we have are most likely the 17 players that we have but last year when I was doing the same thing uh, Juliet Lujas I, I looked online and saw that her stats were pretty high in Germany and I just went and watched her live and I sat down and had a conversation with her and after that conversation there was no doubt in my mind she would come into our gym and do well just the type of person she was and what she wanted to become. She has some. Uh, yeah, exactly. And she just rose up as the summer went on and was a huge piece of what we did during world championships. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess go out, try to find uh, good volleyball players around the world and then talk to them and make sure they're good people. And uh, I'm very protective of the group that we have just in terms of, uh, again, like I got lucky with the culture that we have. So making sure that the people that I introduced to that culture are people that are going to fit into it. So, uh, that's the method. Um, again, there's no magic to it. It's uh, <laughs> try to find good volleyball players, try to find good athletes, and uh, make sure I bring them in here and develop them. Yeah, but good good people usually make good volleyball players, right? There's a there's a very close close link. I believe in it myself as well. Yeah. Uh, coming predominantly from a coaching background um, before jumping into the media side. That's yeah. that's really fascinating. Um, just quickly talking about like your philosophies and cultures. Like, tell us more about yourself. You st- started coaching at nineteen. Yeah, um, which, is, uh, which is again si- similar, so, uh, similar to me. Fortunately, hence, uh, what's that? Sim- similar to myself. Hence, I'm uh, yeah, so so intrigued. 
I'm guessing you have this a little bit, but uh, I was playing uh, middle blocker and I was too small for that position. So uh, I got cut by a collegiate team and uh, the women's team needed somebody to come in and play against them. So I said, why not? I love volleyball and this sounds like an intriguing thing and I'm free from three to six. So uh, I went in and started doing that. And then after one season, they liked having me around. So they offered me kind of a volunteer assistant position. And the way the United States works is a little bit different. You have two paid assistant coaches, and then you can have one volunteer. So normally that volunteer is somebody that's graduated and working uh, in a club volleyball environment that comes in and wants to learn. But uh, I got lucky just that I got this opportunity at a really young age. And um, I went through college and didn't necessarily, uh, I didn't see volleyball being something that could be a career at the time. Um, I, I think uh, I just looked at it as I don't have this high level division one experience. I wasn't an Olympian. Like I'm not going to be able to go out and make a living uh, coaching a sport. So uh, I was actually about, I don't know, 30 minutes away from becoming an accountant. And yeah, uh, so you're, you're I had a big, big change, took a hard right. And uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, I had an offer from an accounting agency. I was at the top of my class in school and uh, or near it. And uh, yeah, at the last minute, I got a call from the University of Southern California and uh, Liz Town Gilbert, who uh, I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her taking the assistant coaching job there. And, uh, they needed someone that had my skill set. So I got a call from the head coach there and they were offering to pay for my master's in business and pay me a salary. And I'm like, oh, that's stupid for me to say no to. So I did that for one year, and then uh, I got a call from a friend that was telling me that Hugh McCutcheon wanted to have breakfast with me. And uh, my response at the time, and I will say this, he had just been hired. He was the assistant before. I was like, who's Hugh McCutcheon? Okay. And uh, so I sat down with Hugh, and uh, he's like, I want you to try out this job. I've heard good things for you. And two weeks later, he called me and said, never mind. I want you to take this job. And uh, I was just going down this rabbit hole of coaching. Just at that time, I was like, all right, I'm going to go get my master's. And then, then I got this invitation. I'm like, well, I can't say no to an Olympics. So then uh, I was with the men's national team at 24 and uh, pretty young uh, as a scout. Um, but I was put in a situation, and this is just a lesson for all coaches. I was just put in a situation at a young age where I didn't know much around amazing coaches that were coming in left, right, and center. And at the same time, I was forced to watch more video of high level volleyball than any human being on the planet, in my opinion. Uh, and I just, I got this database in my head of what a good reception looks like, what a good block looks like, what a good attack arm swing mm -hmm. looks like. And just without knowing it, knowing it just implicitly, I was just putting together this encyclopedia in my head of here's what Jeeva, Clay Stanley, and, uh, I don't know, uh, read pretty look like combined into one person of mm -hmm. a passer and an attacker and all these different things. And, at the same time, I had Carl McGowan in my ear talking to me about motor learning. I had Hugh in my ear talking about culture. I had Ron Larson in my ear talking about practice oh, planning. and John Sparrow in my ear talking about uh, running the BIC. And, like, I just, again, like, I didn't have anything in my head. but I And I was basically paying to be there. I was making a low amount of money to live in Southern California. Uh, for those of you that aren't from the U.S., it's one of the most expensive places in the world. So, uh, yeah, I just had all of these things coming at me from all these different angles. And, uh at the time you're young and you're like, I don't want to be doing the grunt work, but I look back at it and I'm like, man, like what would I be if I wasn't there? If I wasn't in that situation, if I hadn't sacrificed to be there. And, uh, so uh, that was an amazing four years. Uh, we won a gold medal after that. And then, uh, Hugh switched over to the woman. Um, I was contemplating going into college volleyball a little bit. And then, uh, the last minute I kind of decided to stick around and, uh, spent another four years with Hugh. We took over the women's program, and a big part of that was just we like puzzles. Uh, and we figured uh, this is a whole different puzzle that we're going to go figure out. And uh, won a silver medal there after four years. And then I did go to college volleyball for about a year. And then uh, Karch called me and wanted me to come back with the national team there. So I was there for three. And then uh, I felt like I was ready for the next challenge. And um, I think the reason why I felt like I was ready to be a head coach is uh, I felt like I was a really, really good assistant coach. And uh, it wasn't challenging me anymore, I guess. Um, I felt comfortable with it, and I don't like feeling comfortable going back to that. I like to solve puzzles things. So uh, when this opportunity came about, it, it just made perfect sense for me. I, I had three uh, players from this team that I coached at Bakapunk, and I loved all of them. Uh, and it seemed like the type of place where the, the – I don't know, the, the way I wanted a coach would work. And uh, like I said, I got here, felt like I was the luckiest man alive, and I still feel like it. So here I am. That's, that's fascinating. You're like, that's 
yeah, you, you sort of whiz through that story as if, yeah, but there's so many nah. like amazing bits to it that, yeah, from sitting from the nah, outside listening in. Story. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, nah, it's crazy to look back and I just think, uh, I look back and realize that I've been coaching for 20 years now, actually, uh, coming up on, and it's just mm-hmm. crazy to me. I just, I still feel like I'm young and dumb and uh, still learning a little bit. So, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it's been awesome. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, I can, I can relate to it. I sort of coaching at 20 and now I'm 30 and was with the national team beach at 23, 24 as a head coach. So yeah, I, I did a lot of learning of standing and sitting there and now I can, it, more for beach volleyball. Um, but yeah, I, I see the game so much better now as a product of sitting down and even doing commentaries, even just sitting there and applying myself to what I'm watching for a long period of time. It's, yeah, it's, that's an amazing yep. story though. Nowhere near compared to, to uh, how... It influences When I go back in the United States and I talk to players and I talk to coaches, and, uh, I just talk about USA Volleyball versus International and I say, one of the things that I think gives international volleyball players like a leg up on U.S. players. It's just the fact that when they're in Italy, they turn on the TV and there's the Italian Volleyball League and people playing at the highest possible level. And the national team is televised and people have access to watch the game and have a model of what it looks like at the highest possible level. And uh, I think that's missing in the U.S. So you have to force kids to do it. And uh, there's certain ones that just have this fire inside. They go out and find it. But uh, I think it's important. Yeah, talking to John Larson, she was... Um... She was just saying, or we sort of agreed that in the States at times, it's like you play till you're 23 and then yep. then your volleyball career is, yep. is, is pretty much over. And that, that's that's not really uh, going to benefit the national team as well as there's just so much more volleyball out there, right? Yep. And uh, I think it's starting to change a little bit in the U.S. I think people are starting to realize there's uh, a career after it if they want to. It's not everywhere and not everyone's realizing it, but mm. it's definitely better when I started with the women's national team. I think uh, there's more awareness now than there was before. Yeah, for sure. That's, and hopefully well, the, the, the national team's still in very good, in a very yeah. good place anyway due to the just how many people play the sport, I feel, um, in, in the U.S. There's always going to be a, a tunnel of, of athletes coming out yeah. um, uh, you, you, you mentioned some uh, some big names there uh, yeah Hugh McCutcheon um, John Sparrow uh, Karch obviously um, and Giovanni uh, being another one what what is it that you yeah. took from each one of those they're, they're obviously like you look at Giovanni Guidetti for example I, I don't know the guy I only know him from the outside in very different customer to a Karch um, and a very different yeah. customer to a, to, a, to a Hugh so I, I think that's yeah. when when you think about learning. I think that's awesome. Like I, I think it's awesome to have all these different characters to to learn from and take bits of knowledge from. Yeah, it's uh, a great question. Um, I'd say uh, the basis of what I know about coaching came from Hugh. My haircut came from Hugh, <laughs> uh, but uh, from Hugh, I think the number one thing is team culture. Um, uh, is really understanding. And I was listening to a podcast recently that said this the right way. It's just team culture is about uh, building a fence, basically. It's not about saying something once. It's about every, I don't know, six feet, digging a different fence post, putting mm-hmm. something in, then going another six feet and doing it. And just in a volleyball sense, that's just if you have something that's important to you, making sure you repeat it over and over again. Yeah. Make sure you come back to it and you're saying it in 86 different ways, but making sure that the athletes know that that's important. And then... Uh, uh, the idea of uh, setting goals for a team and it's okay for them to be big. And when we sat down at the beginning of that quad and put together a mission statement, uh, it was about winning a gold medal. And uh, the guys uh, at the time, I think, thought it was a little bit ridiculous. But afterwards, they were like, just saying that out loud uh, made it something that was a possibility and something that we needed to work towards. So uh, there's that big piece. Um, obviously, from a volleyball standpoint, uh, the majority of the systems and things that I've learned came from him. So I got to give him credit for those too. But I think the biggest one is that culture piece. And, uh, you mentioned Spra on there. Uh, we still stay in touch. It's actually uh, interesting just because I never coached for him. I coached with him. But he's one of the people I talk to uh, probably the most now. We, we end up touching base once a month, once every other month. Just what are you thinking about? What are you working on? What's going on? And um, I think probably the thing I learned the most from him is just uh, everybody doesn't have to do it the same way. I think in coaching, uh, we tend to get caught up in like, this is what passing has to look like. And this is what, uh, I don't know, your approach has to look like. And just his take on it is just a little bit more of a, 
everyone's going to find their own way within the system to do things. We don't need to force everyone to be a cookie cutter image of each other. Um, or we don't have to do everything that we hear at a coaching clinic. Like it's going to be a mix of things and different things are going to work for different teams. So, um, that's probably the biggest thing from him, uh, from Karch, I'd probably say, uh, one, uh, just this innate desire to win. Like, and I think one of the things that makes me work so hard here is I know how hard Karch is working in Anaheim right now. <laughs> like I know he's showing up the office. I know it's probably, I don't know. 2 a.m. in the morning, he's probably going to get into the office in about two and a half hours. Like, I know it for a fact. So it just drives me to push me and push our staff and make sure that we know that, hey, somebody else out there is working harder than us. And then uh, secondly, just getting to pick the brain of the greatest volleyball player of all time was awesome. Like, I remember at one point, like, I was sitting there and I was in a hotel room in Brazil and uh, Karch and I were just hanging out in, like, I don't know, shorts, just nothing else. And just talking about volleyball and there and, and it got so normal but at some point in there i'm like i'm talking to the greatest volleyball player of all time and able to just pick his brain mm-hmm. on a daily basis over coffee at nine o'clock in the morning and like that was awesome um so yeah so just being able to talk about passing and what thought he thought made him a good passer or defense and all of these things and uh being able to hear his experiences as a player and what drove him to be great and what drove his teams to be great i think would probably be uh from him and then from Gio, uh, for sure, just uh, how to push athletes past what they think they're capable of. Um, and uh, I just think he has, uh, one, this competitive drive that's different than Karch's, but uh, just this uh, ability to make sure that the athletes think, I'm not even think, just force them to be something that they don't think they're able to do uh, or do something that they don't think they're able to do. And uh yeah, and I think that's what it is, is, is push people to be uncomfortable, push people to do, push people past uh, their capabilities. And uh, usually good things happen there. So uh, that would be the biggest thing from him. That's unreal. That's, um, Lonika was saying that actually, like, she, she, she just has that in a different different way, just, just that ability to keep pushing, even when you think it's not going to happen. And yeah, get, yep. gets you over the line. That's, that's fascinating. You mentioned... Um, you mentioned Karch. It's, it's funny from the outsider. Don't don't know. Met, met him very briefly once, but uh, when you see someone like myself growing up, someone with that will to win on court and that real competitive, fiery edge that he had as a player, and then you, you sort of see it as a coach creep in, but then you realise how he how he still sort of has that impact and his personality still comes out, but just in a completely different way. Yeah, behind yeah, behind the scenes. Karch's so competitive that. Like, if you go watch him as a volleyball player, like, he, I mean, it was just unfiltered competitiveness. Like, mm. uh, there's plenty of examples out there, just, and you can see it over and over and over again. You go watch him as a coach, he's usually pretty calm. And he's calm because he knows that being calm is going to help them win. Yeah. So, like, he's so competitive that he's changing his personality a little bit from what it probably should be. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he knows it's going to benefit the team. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important for all coaches, just the fact that, uh, uh, our job is to get the most out of our players, and uh, it takes different things at different times. But understanding what those uh, are, or and when those times are, is part of the art of this. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing with Karchi. Yeah, that's that's unreal. And also, like, are you like you're you're a very very calm coach. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you you sort of uh, from the from the outside looking in, you're you're always at a very good level. I always think that. You're looking for the solution and yeah, not really focusing on getting too worked up. Is that your? Is that how you are, or is that uh, is that something you've had to learn as well? Uh, I don't think it's how I was, but it's how what I've turned into. Just uh, being very process oriented, and uh, sometimes to a fault. And I, I and I've talked to our players about this, and I told them I'm going to meet them halfway. And I think I'm probably more fiery. At, World Championships than I was our first tournament that I played with this group. So, um, again, trying to, I don't know, get our athletes to win is, is the biggest thing. So if I need to change it, come up a little bit from that. But I think when I first started coaching, uh, I was a little bit more reactive to situations. And I've just been around a bunch of coaches, a bunch of sports psychologists, uh, a bunch of people that have just talked about being in that moment and not worrying about the last moment or the next mm-hmm. moment. But being in that current moment. And I've really taken it to heart. I just, I've noticed myself change and not overreact to situations. The other part of it, I've just, I've been in a lot of these situations before, albeit as an assistant. 
So, like I said, when I was an assistant, like we were in the semifinals of the Olympics, and I don't, my heart rate went up 15 beats a minute or something like that. Like, uh, I've just been around it, and I think the the third part to it is I really think of this as a long term project. Um, I'm sure when we get to the Olympics, uh, I'll probably get a little bit more reactive at some stuff there, but. My goal is to get this team to Tokyo and to be on the podium in Tokyo. And uh, all of these other things are a step towards that, I guess. Um, not necessarily the, I have to win this match in order to, uh, I don't know, to win-win. It, it's a step along the way. So I, I think a combination of those three things. Um, and then I, I've had some situations in the past, just uh, I can remember vividly, I was coaching as a head coach in Austria and we were playing in a match and uh, I think we were playing Galatasaray actually in uh, uh, in CV Cup, and we were up one zero in the second match. We were up two one, and one of my players went up and just took a stupid swing. And uh, I sensed the I don't know flow of the match changing, and I hung on to that play for a solid thirteen points. And I was a really really bad volleyball coach for those thirteen points. And in the fifth set, I have to be like Jamie, you're you're being stupid right now. Like let that go and be right here. Uh, we ended up winning that match in the golden set, one of the craziest matches I've ever been a part of. But uh, yeah. it was just this lesson to me. Just If I hang on to this one point, I'm going to be bad for 13. And uh, I need to let it go quickly so that I can be good on the next point because we give that one up, I'm going to be worse off. So, Yeah, that's fascinating. I've yeah, also also been there. Especially uh, I've come back to working a little bit more in indoor uh, as beaches and as I do more and more media, I'm coaching more for fun. Yeah, but I still feel that coaching indoor that, uh, yeah, I, I can still hang on to the odd thing for a little bit too long. Um, yep. Really cool. Um, there was a, a story about um, Hugh McCutcheon taking the whole squad away for two or three days to do a bit of a vision and goal session. Were you, were you part of that? Story that, again, yep. got gone, gone like live on Facebook over the last couple of weeks again. Um, yep. Yeah. And, really yeah. That must have been fascinating as well, because um, from the from the article that I read, it it sort of explained about how the players didn't really really buy into it to start with, but at the end of it, realised how important it was. Is that is that, is that true? Is that sort of article on point or? I think one that changed over time um, a little bit, and uh, I don't know if necessarily after the three hour or after the two days that I mean, was probably two half days or something along those lines we were like man yeah that was worth the time like I'm glad we did that we came out with this goal but I, I think by into those sessions a little bit more just we ended up good sports psychologist uh, Kendra visit who recently passed away but um, yeah he, uh, he worked with a baseball and just came at that from a a real world scenario like it wasn't necessarily all fluffy stuff it was just like hey you're going to get the olympics you're going to have 30 million people watching you uh you're going to have these intense pressures put on you how do we deal with it uh so i think going through that process and making that real world was big but going back to the mission statement thing i think we sat down and i think uh the biggest thing that came from that immediately was like i said earlier just saying out loud we're going to try to win a gold medal I just think that made it a reality. And then, like I said, with the whole fence post idea, uh, we kept going back to that mission statement. If uh, the guys were out late while we were on the road, it was, hey, we talked about winning a gold medal. Is this paper going to go back to that? Uh, it might be a random talk uh, coming in from somebody else from the outside world talking about winning a gold medal. Uh, and then it might be, if we have that practice, it was like, hey, like this isn't going to help us get to where we talked about going. So. Uh, I, I don't know if the impact was just this immediate, like everyone left being like, hell yeah, let's go. But it was just something that over time the guys bought in the meetings that we were doing outside of volleyball. And secondly, we just kept hammering home that message of, hey, this is our mission. This is what we're working towards. Uh, and if you're doing something that's going to go the other direction, it, it, everyone needs to pull that person back in or that person needs to leave. Uh, and, and it became a mission statement for our staff too. Just, hey, if you're not having gold medal behavior, you're not going to be here. Yeah, the amount of accountability that comes from that as well, and that's yeah, that's that's really fascinating, really cool. Yeah. How um how did you? So you've gone from men's to women's. What 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 do you prefer coaching and and why? And do you ever think that you might cross back into to men's ball at some stage, or is it sort of? Yeah. Open? I don't think I have a preference. Um, 
I really liked both. And it's been such a long time since I coached men. It was 10 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. You asked the question, would I go back? I'd absolutely love to go do it for like, you know, a year. If I could take a professional contract on the men's side, I think it'd be really fun to go back and coach men's volleyball. And I still follow the game. There's small differences in the way that it's played. Uh, I still follow the game. I know kind of what's going on over there. I've always felt like women's volleyball has been kind of uh, trailing behind men's volleyball by four years. And I think that's starting to change now. Uh, but I feel like stuff would happen there just in terms of uh, some back row attacking or speed happened there first with Brazil. Uh, and then slowly the women's game catches up. Uh, so I follow the men's game pretty closely just to see what's going on. But I think it'd be really awesome to go uh, back onto the men's side for, again, a year or two. But I don't think I'd ever want to bounce back for like eight years and come back here for eight years. Like, uh, I like the people that I get to coach right now. Uh, I like where I'm at. But it'd be an interesting, fun challenge to go back and do that again. Yeah, when you're talking about comfort zones and slightly removing yourself out into something new, like that's sure. a, that's a that's a very achievable challenge but also yep. one that would, would would make you think a little bit differently uh, the other thing that intrigues me is just going and consulting or going and coaching on the beach at some point just uh i think uh there's some stuff that can be taken from indoor and i've talked with our beach coaches here in holland just uh about okay. some of the things that i see when i watch their games and just uh some different things that i think can happen that can come from our game yeah, I I love uh, obviously like I'm in a situation where I watch a lot of both and I, I coach coaching beach all afternoon from yeah until about 10 p.m. tonight. But I I love the similarities of where the game's going. As soon as the handling on the beach is a little bit softer as it is now, and there's some bigger guys coming in, you you can yep. run the block a little bit more, but you also establish the uh, the two ball as a as as the middle. Yep. So it's a similar, and then the angles are the same. You can still counteract those same. Yeah, yeah, the same plays by serving certain angles in certain areas is very There's similar. some things we're talking about, just offensive concepts. And I know you only have one attacker when you're on the line, kind of have one and a half with uh, the setter, but just I think there's some different things that you can do offensively and take it from the, uh, from the indoor game. Uh, just some of the conversations I was having with our beach staff here, uh, I think it'd be really interesting. Again, a whole different puzzle for me, uh, going down to the beach and figuring that whole thing out. Yeah, you've you've got a lot of time time on your side, mate. <laughs> you, you, can, you can do you can do whatever you like. Yeah, you're in a very uh, you're in a very great you're in a great position to to do whatever you want within the the coaching yeah. realms for sure. Um, you you mentioned the women's game catching up the men's. It's an exciting time to uh, coach women's volleyball. I think probably the most exciting time. Um, a, how do you feel about the women's game? But B, uh, what what do you feel? What are you putting in place now to, you mentioned, you know, that Karch is working hard, but obviously Lang Ping is another one who, who you have to keep an eye on, who I would love to get to know how, how her mind works as well, because she's, she's obviously a legend, but what, and obviously Tertzic as well. What, what are you putting in place now to sort of prepare for Tokyo? Yeah. Um, to stop the likes of Boscovich uh-huh. or, or Zhu or all those big yeah. guys? Yeah, it's just interesting. It's an interesting time for women's volleyball because if you look back, uh, I don't know, two Olympics ago for the, I don't know, eight Olympics or not eight Olympics, sorry, the 12 years before that, uh, when we go back and look at the game, it was the team that could control the serve pass game. It was usually the team that was in the finals of the Olympics. Uh, it's changing just quite a bit to who has the biggest gun on their team. And if you look at the final four world championships, uh, Serbia won with Boscovich. They were playing Italy with Ghana. Uh, China beat us with Juting, and we were there because, uh, I mean, Alani had a good tournament. But uh, when I look at our team, we have to be more balanced than the other teams in order to do it. Uh, just, uh, we're not going to be able to set Lonnie 86 balls or whatever ridiculous number that Iganu had uh, against China. So for us, it's, it's and I think this is the same with every team, is finding out what your identity can be is going to help you be the most successful. Yeah. So when I look at our team, I think we have to be more balanced. I think we have, uh, I don't know, a bunch of good attackers on our team that can go out and contribute every single night. So uh, I think we got to be in between the old school of controlling the serve pass game as best we can, and then uh, be able to run an offense that's balanced, uh, be able to get a bunch of different people involved. Um, and we're playing around with some different stuff. I don't want to give all that away right now, nah, just because nah, we're going to have to go to teams and play Italy. But uh, playing around with some different stuff to get some people more involved from off the net to. Uh, uh, try to get some more space and blocks and do some things along those lines to try to open some things for everyone. But uh, for me, and, and what it's been is, is trying to look at all of these teams and find out where we fit in the middle. Just uh, 
for example, we went to, uh, when I took this job, obviously I came from USA and there's, there's an emphasis on speed and ball control there. And, uh, I think we're slightly more athletic than USA. Uh, so I don't think we have to go as fast. And, uh, I looked at when we played Serbia and European championships in the final of that and just, they have this weird mold where, uh, my, uh, identity as a coach is to try to knock people out of system with a serve, uh, and then have set up your blocking defense really strong around that. And it was really interesting because we were playing Serbia and we were winning that serve pass game. But when they were out of system, they were taking this huge out of system swing and they weren't necessarily getting a kill, but they were knocking us out of system with their out of system and they were better out of system than us. So we were losing because of that. So just this idea of trying to take advantage within the rally in any way that you can. And if it's take a big out of system swing or get a hole on the block and make sure that it's difficult for them to dig just that advantage within the rally is so important of, of getting it and maintaining it as it goes on. Yeah. And just, I talked when I got here, just in terms of what I wanted this team to be about. And, uh, one of the biggest things we talked about was just putting constant pressure on the opponent until they crack in all phases of the game. So making sure that we have a tough serve to start the rally, making sure that our block can block in system and get two blockers up. And when they're out of system, we're good every single time and not giving the cracks in our block to go do. When DePaul gets it out at somebody, we're digging it every single time and able to turn around and transition. And from a service standpoint, try to get it in the middle of court so we can go fast and make it so that blockers are, are struggling to get there. Uh, but I want to get that feeling. And uh, I, I guess I got that the most when I was playing uh, uh, Brazil and I think the 2005 World Cup or something like that when they had Ricardo and they were running super fast and, that five attackers going every single time and their block was on point. I remember sitting back there and I was like, one, I felt like I was watching just a flying circus of people bouncing around places because it was going so fast. But I remember after that match being like, man, like how are we going to beat that team to just constantly suffocate you? Yeah. Uh, and I just, I want us to have that feeling as we're out there playing volleyball. So trying to work towards that as much as we can. That's, that's fascinating. Would you say that's the best team you've ever seen? I think so. Uh, there's a place that gets some really good teams out there, but just, uh, again, that's, uh, I, I've always prided myself. Uh, so when I was with USA, my, my main specialty was scouting. Mm -hmm. uh, my job was to put together the best scouting report. And how do we beat this team? What are, where are the pressure points that we can put stuff on to, to beat them? And, uh, I remember watching that team and I was just like, man, like, how are we going to do this? Uh, that's, yeah, the way they were playing in that tournament, I think, uh, that's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, that's. That's un unbelievable. And then you have to try and recreate that by, yeah, we just, we always say in every, I think every program, just be the team that's doing that all the time, pushing, nudging in every, every sort of, yeah, sort of every area. What's, um, sorry, go to my notes. What's, um, what's your ambitions, um, firstly, for the Olympics? It would be obviously to medal. Your, your guys have, uh, they've come fourth in the last two big, big competitions. How do you, so it's fourth at the Olympics and fourth at the world champs with the yep. second at the European champs. How do you uh, deal with that in the locker room? Is, is, that, is that a problem in the fourth place or is it, a, uh, is it just a hurdle? Yeah, it's, it's a tough place to be. And uh, I'm going to talk to a little bit about this as we get going, but just the teams have this arc of improvement. They get really good at the beginning, seeing it with this team. And uh, it's really, really hard to get to the top of the world. And uh, I think the players are frustrated with fourth. I think they want to finish higher than that. Um, and I think one is uh, we got to stay healthy. Um, we got to make sure that we can have everyone on the floor if we want to have everyone on the floor. So uh, obviously Robin's a really good middle blocker. If we had her at World Championships, things might have been a little different. I, and I don't know. Our other middles did an amazing job during that tournament. And uh, we had some huge growth because she wasn't around. But uh, we got to stay healthy, number one. And then number two, it's just – Find joy in the small improvements. And I think when you first start learning to play volleyball, you're making these huge improvements every single day you're in practice. Uh, and I know the jumps look like this, and they're just huge and going up. And then as you get better and better, the changes you have to make are these tiny little things, and they take longer to make. So uh, the plateaus are look like this, and then you're over like this, and then you're like this. And just understanding that these things are as important as the ones we were doing before, uh, they just don't feel as good. Uh, in order for, for us to get up to number one, it's about just getting, I don't know, when I look at it, three points better. That's really what separates everyone right now. And I think we're, uh, uh, we're 
in this clump that's at the top of the world and we're close and we just got to find joy in making those little improvements and also understand that we're a pretty good volleyball team. Uh, I think we've been probably one of the most consistent just in the fact that we haven't really lost anybody below us. Uh, and we're starting to get some wins like we did against USA World Championships against some of the teams above us. So we're getting closer. We just got to keep pushing and uh, keep striving to get a tiny bit better and uh, catch up on some of these points. I think also you're going to places with this team that they've never been before, right? The final six of the World Champs. So coming fourth might hurt, but actually they're, yeah. they're pioneering for their own country in other ways. It might not be... Through a, through a medal around the neck, but for the next generation and everybody after that, like they're really, yeah, leading leading the charge, which is. And I, and I so and I talk to our players a lot, and they're awesome about this. Just the fact that uh, uh, I think they're inspiring the future generation to play volleyball. I think uh, when we're at these matches, we we sell out stadiums that we're in now, so we get a good crowd afterwards. There's a thousand little kids waiting around for autographs. And I keep telling them that one of those kids might be the next you. So make sure you take that seriously and go sign an autograph. But uh, like I said, I have an amazing group of girls that understand. Uh, and in all honesty, uh, they understand and they uh, they value getting to play in front of people here, getting to inspire, getting to see people dressed in orange, watching them play. So, um, what's going on here is pretty cool. And and you're hosting the next um, the next World Championships, yeah. right? Which is it shows that the federations got got your back to a, to, to a whole new level with. With that support and that that must be quite quite good for everybody to know as well yeah no the us thing is is awesome uh and just uh, i've sent out text messages i've sent out tweets thanking people within our federation but uh, it's not easy to host a world championship uh and they fought really hard and, and part of that is just they want to grow the sport here and uh and when i got here and i've talked about it i feel like it's just this fire that's starting to grow and grow and grow in terms of interest around our team and trying to grow that into an interest around volleyball and uh this country is grossly overachieving. Uh, I was giving a talk yesterday, and I said we had 22 million people, and they corrected me and said 17. But uh, I talked a lot just about the fact that we got to squeeze everything we can because what we're doing right now is crazy. When you think about the fact that we have 17 million people and we're going out competing against China, who has 1.3 billion, or USA, who has 600 million or something like that, uh, it's just absurd that we're able to do what we do and it's a testament to our girls and a testament to the systems they have set up here but uh i want to prolong that and i think part of it is just growing volleyball into something that's a national sport and uh we're working toward that that's that's fascinating is is your own personal dream still to go back and coach usa and be a head coach or is that something that's down the line or yeah i don't know i'm, I'm taking it day by day one yeah. uh, i'm really happy where i'm at and uh I'm really happy living where I'm at. I, I have a house here and a view of a nice little farm and some cows. And uh, I don't know, we go into Utrecht and hang out and the cities are awesome. The people are awesome here. So um, I'm completely happy uh, living away from the U.S. Yeah. Um, I just want to I want to find a situation if it's not here that's just going to make me happy, whether it's somewhere else in the world or whether it's going back in the United States or whether it's staying here for the rest of my life. Just yeah, sure. uh, I want to make sure it's a place that brings me joy. Yeah, for sure. Are you ba are you based in the Hague? Is that where you, is that where no, you're we're based? At the beach is in the Hague. We're over on the other side of the country. Uh, I live in a small village called Osterbeek near uh, Arnhem, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a training center here called Poppendal. It's about a ten minute bike ride, five minute car ride from my house. So, uh, so yeah, and the situation, I, like I said, like the duration has been amazing in terms of world championships and everything else, but. Uh, the Netherlands Olympic Committee does a great job with their training facilities, and uh, it's one of the best training environments I've, I've ever been in. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Well, that's that's pretty much that's fifty minutes that's just gone gone like that. Thank, thank you. Like that. Now, thank you so much for coming on. It's been um, yeah, I'm sure the listeners will absolutely love it. But I, I, yeah, this podcast for me is, as I said, finding really interesting people, and you you fit that bill of how successful you're being in such a quick time and it's been yeah it's been inspirational to, to have you on so thank you so much yeah you're welcome and anytime you want to do this again let me know let's work out uh, sometime. i would i would love to i think it's trying to share the yeah gradually grow something that helps grow the game but also get to know people within the game you know like it's i feel like we we don't i i work in tv but we we don't ever get that feeling like we know the people who are watching um yeah, yeah the, the, the stories yeah, happy to get stories out there and some yeah, uh, that's, out there too, so. that's awesome. Um, last thing, 
that we always do. We do like a Dream 7. Um, yeah, but I think the CUV and the FIVV have, have started to, to, to fish, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you had a Dream 7, can be men, can be women, we'll only do one. What what would it be and, and, and why? Can it be historical too? Yeah, you can you can grab you can grab whoever yeah. you need. Yeah, I think it, it brings more um, flavor if you if you go historical. All right, I'll go historical then. Here, uh, I'm gonna leave my team out of it just because I don't want to paint that. Uh, position four, Karch. Yep. Maria Louise. Mm-hmm. Uh, opposite. So I got to go probably uh, just because I coached him and I think he was the best at the time, but Clay Stanley. Yeah. Uh, no blockers. We'll go uh, Paula Weissoff for USA. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think maybe the best women's that I've played against. I'm going to say because I coached her also, but Milena Rasich, I think she's one of the best out there, and I know she's an amazing competitor. Yeah. Um, Libros. I got to say the best Libro I've probably played against is uh, Brenda Castillo, Dominican Republic. Uh, she shuts down that side of the court, so. Um, I'm going to put her in there at Libro. Uh, setter, Gerbich from Serbia. I'd say Loy Ball is in there too, but I already have USA or two USA people on there, so I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think it's my team, right? At seven? I think that's it. Two two outsides. You've gone two of yeah, the berries, eight yeah. of the two of the berries. Um, yeah. Amazing. Boom. That's, right. that's fascinating. I'm going to go, I'm go. Gonna take some time to go through it because it's the first, uh, yeah, the first ever mixed team that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'd... Uh, Win a co-ed tournament for sure. Yeah, I, I reckon they'd, they'd be close. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, some team. Thank you so much for your time, uh, mate. And hopefully we'll, we'll catch you again on, on yeah when you're on the road. And if you ever spare, I think it'd be fascinating to, to spend an hour when you're halfway through the manic season just to hear about how it is from the inside. It would be, be fascinating. So if you wouldn't mind, that would be incredible. Yeah, stay in touch and let's try to work something out. Obviously, it gets manic, but uh, I'm happy to try to make an hour. Thanks so much for your time. It's it's been awesome. I've had had a great, great morning. (laughs) Thanks very much. Cheers, Jamie. Uh, Bye-bye. Well, that was Jamie Morrison on Freeball, the volleyball podcast. Interesting interview, enlightening, yes, and also a little bit educational. Some really good points on the VNL, but also just his own journey through coaching and how he's got to where he is today. We look forward to following Jamie over what should be a long and very, very successful coaching career as well. That's all we've got time for on Freeball, the volleyball podcast for this week. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram, the Freeball pod, Facebook, Freeball, the volleyball podcast. And please make sure you pass the pod, share it around all your friends and make sure that people like Jamie Morrison, but all the other athletes in World Volleyball get the praise and also the publicity that they deserve as well. We look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Remember, every Friday on the dot, we will try and release an episode for you guys. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon.